Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Dangerous Prayers. This series will show you how to pray bold prayers. If you're ready to see a spark in your life, pray boldly, pray daringly, pray with fire, and remember God is listening to your dangerous prayers. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Amen. We may be seated. Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good. It's great to be with you. So you stole my thunder. I was going to talk about how I wanted to honor you and all these things. You said all these nice things, and I'm upset in the beginning of church. But no, it's, I was actually literally in my notes, I was going to say, you know, it's, a, it's an honor to serve under Pastor Clark, our lead pastor. And, um, you know, I've, I've walked alongside a lot of pastors in, in my career but, you know, submitting under somebody like a man like Clark, who is a man of integrity, has been a blessing to me and, and to my wife and, and to your wife. And so you have a great pastor here. So we're, we're proud to, to call him our lead pastor. But I'm excited to be with you. Yeah, amen. I'm excited to be with you this morning uh, to preach part two. See, what he didn't say was he gave me this part because this is probably the hardest message to speak in this series, which tends to happen sometimes where it's like we're doing our serious planning. He's like, oh, Dan, you want to speak this week? You know, give me a date. And I'm like, sure. I don't look at it. And then I look at the notes. I'm like, oh, no. And so, but this is a hard one this week. I'm just warning you ahead of time. And so we're in part two of a three-part message series called Dangerous Prayers. Last week, Clark brought an amazing word about the dangerous prayer praying, search me, oh God, and what that looks like. And it's been really cool, church. If you haven't been part of the the 21 days of prayer, we've met here every evening at 7 p.m., and God is doing amazing things. We've dove into that prayer of search me, oh God, and every night God is bringing freedom. God is bringing revelation. It's been so cool. And so if you haven't come, I would challenge you to be here. Experience it it for yourself. We have one tonight at 7 o'clock over there in the venue. Um, But that was an amazing prayer that we prayed. Next week, I I think, is going to be a turning point prayer for a lot of us. Next week is the prayer, send me. And we're going to look at what it means to pray the dangerous prayer. Not just pray it, but, but mean it and listen to the response and pray, send me. But this week um, is a hard one. This week is a prayer that I think is the most difficult of all the three, in my opinion. It's the hardest to pray and it's the hardest to mean. Uh, now, let me first warn you. Some won't like this prayer. Some of you will not like this message. It'll push you out of your comfort zone. It'll make you uncomfortable at your core. Some of you might disagree. Some of you this morning might refuse to pray this prayer. This prayer is not consistent with the God will always make your life better Christianity. Let me say that again. This prayer is not consistent with the God will always make your life better Christianity. But... This prayer, if you pray it, and if you mean it this morning, church, has the potential to open up your heart in such a specific way that you can experience the fullness of what God has for you in your life. You can have him work in your heart in a way that he's never worked before. The prayer I'm going to ask you to pray this morning is this. Break me. Break me, God. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for all you're doing at 21 Days of Prayer. We thank you for the prayer that we prayed over this last week of search us. We thank you for the ways that you revealed so many areas of our lives that, that we need to work on, that we need to surrender to, all these different things. And God, as we go into this morning, I pray that we would walk into this message with open hands and open hearts. That, Father, no matter where we're coming from in life, that we would take this moment and hear what you have to say. God, speak through me this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, I felt the call to, to ministry my junior summer, the junior summer of my life. And a lot of you know my testimony. I'm not going to get into that this morning. But I went from a season of, of just really making a lot of bad decisions. I had this amazing encounter with Jesus. I surrendered my life. This was like a 180 moment. I have one of those kind of more extreme testimonies. And I felt the call to ministry. I felt right away, I knew if God could, could love me and, and impact my life in this way, I want to give everything that I am to him. I want him to use me. And so I dove into ministry. And let me tell you, church, the first year of ministry, my senior year of high school was the first year I, I dove into, I, I was an intern here at Valley Brook. I, I worked over at Valley Community Baptist in the student ministries department. And that was the first time in my life when I ever truly experienced what it meant for God to begin to break me. And if I only knew, honestly, if I only knew what that experience would look like in the coming years, I might not have dove in. I definitely wouldn't have prayed this prayer, break me. And so the first year of ministry, within this first year, I'm interning, I'm new in ministry. This is like, I'm so excited, I'm green, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to give everything. And within the first year of ministry, I walked with some students in this church and over at Valley Community Baptist Church and some families through the deepest heartache you could imagine. You know, I cried and held a student, an eighth grade boy, after a failed suicide attempt. I walked with kids as their parents were going through nasty divorces. I walked with students through abuse that you can't, it's just sickening things you can never imagine. God was slowly breaking me. You know, there was one moment I remember specifically, Mark Allen was a student pastor at that time. A lot of you know Mark, and, and he's still a great friend of mine. And he was a student pastor at that time, and I, we were working together, and I remember there was one student who was having a major life crisis. And so Mark and I went over to the student's house, and we started praying with him, and he was just brutal. He's like, I want nothing to do with you guys. I hate you guys. And we had given so much time and energy to, to working in this student's life, and he just was so brutal and nasty because he was struggling with some major stuff. And like, it felt like we were just assaulted for two hours as we tried to love and reach this kid, as we tried to help him turn his path from something that we saw was an immediate you know, destruction, an immediate path to destruction. And I remember we left with, with you know, no success, and, and we, we sat in the car and we drove home, and, and I remember we actually didn't drive all the way home. We sat in the, the center of Granby in the parking lot right in front of uh, I don't think it was at that point, it wasn't a lock, stock, and bagel, it was something different, but we sat there, and I remember me and Mark, we just cried. We just sat there and we cried. We didn't say anything, we didn't talk it through, we, we drove silently to that parking lot, we sat there and we cried. I had never experienced a brokenness like this before in my life. I was breaking. And let me tell you, church, God will break you too. 
See, the amazing thing is, though, is that I could have never imagined the blessing and the intimacy with God on the other side of the pain and the breaking that I was feeling. See, now I see it, you know, 12, 13 years later and working in ministry and, and, and ha- having God work in my heart, but I could have never imagined at that time what God was going to do in my life through him breaking me. So again, church, I'm going to ask you this morning to consider giving God permission to do a deep work in your life, to pray today, God, break me. You know, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to dive into this topic and we're going to look at two different stories in the book of Mark. And it's really cool because these stories in the book of Mark and in the gospel of Mark are side by side. They're in the same chapter. They're right after each other. And both these stories from different perspectives have this concept of breaking. And so the first story deals with a prostitute woman. And I think what we need to do to get into the mind and the fullness of the story is understand and kind of put ourselves in the shoes of what this woman was dealing with. See, nobody, even now, nobody would would choose or desire or have a life goal of, of, hey, I want to be a prostitute one day. That's not something that little girls have on their list to do. It was a last resort. See, and and there was a stigma attached to prostitution. There is today, but there was even more so back in the time when the story was, 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 you know, playing out. They were hated. They were despised. They were full of shame. They were the lowlifes in society. The prostitute was literally, this was her only option to survive. We don't know what situation, you know, brought her into that. Maybe, you know, she was a single mom and she had no other option. She was trying to take care of her kids. Maybe she was abused, uh, abused and hurt and she, she didn't know what else to do. Maybe she was extremely broken, but we don't know. But all we know is that this woman was looked down on with shame and disgust. She was hated by women. Women hated prostitutes and she was abused by men. She was hated by women and she was abused by men. Then one day, this prostitute met a man that treated her differently. She had an interaction with a man who showed her respect, who showed her honor, who showed her dignity, who loved her appropriately in the way that she deserved exactly when she needed it. This man's name was Jesus. She was so transformed and impacted by this interaction with Jesus, by being treated differently, by not being abused, but being honored, that she wanted to extravagantly worship him. So let's jump into the story. Mark 14, 3 says this. It'll be on the screen. When Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Now, I want to stop here for a second. So not only is this an intense situation with this prostitute woman, but Jesus is in the home of a what? Of a leper. See, the religious elites would never have been in a home of a leper. This actually kind of sounds like the, the beginning of a really bad dad joke. Like the rabbi, the leper, and the prostitute walk into a bar. But anyway... That's bad, sorry. But a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. See, this perfume was so valuable. There's a lot of backstory because this doesn't sound like, it sounds kind of weird. Like if somebody came in, you know, if Clark's at at a life group and some woman comes in and like starts pouring perfume on him, probably would be like an awkward situation. 
But there was, there was a lot of backstory to this. That this perfume, it says later on that we read, was so valuable. This perfume was actually valued at a year's worth of wages. It was incredibly rare, so much so that ordinary women in this time didn't wear perfume. And so a lot of you are asking, well, if ordinary women didn't wear perfume, then how did a, a prostitute get it? Like, how would she, why would she be wearing perfume? And see, the perfume was essentially the source of her income to draw business. It was kind of, at this time, a prostitute's calling card. See, this prostitute would put on the perfume, a man would walk by, smell it, and it would kind of be like, oh, okay, that, that, you know, that, that's what she's, she's doing, that's what she's there for. It was used to attract men. It was expensive. And what did she do? She broke the jar. She poured the perfume on Jesus' head. She broke and poured. She broke and she poured. You see, right after this, you know, we won't read it, but right after this, some people freaked out when they saw what she did. They're like, no, no, don't pour it. It's so expensive. It's so valuable. And I think it's easy, like, you know, we'll look at her and like, oh, those religious elites, how silly they are. Like, they had no idea. But I would have said the same thing. We're quick to judge but, you know, in that situation, I'd be like, no, 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 wait, wait, don't pour it all. Give them a drop, and then we could take the rest, and we can give it to the poor. We can take the rest, and we can invest it, or we can put it into ministry. No, 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 don't pour it all. Maybe give them two drops or three. Be a little generous, but don't give them it all. See, this sacrifice was an act far more radical than we can imagine, because essentially what she was saying is this. Don't miss this church this morning. She was saying, you can have all my life. Everything I have, everything I am, everything that represents my past and my future. See, her gift represents her past. Her gift represents her future. Her past being she's leaving her sinful life. See, this perfume was a, a, an integral part of the sinful lifestyle of being a prostitute that she was living. But her gift also represented her future, her future savings, her future provision. See, this wasn't just a simple sacrifice of, of taking just like some old perfume that we might have that's worth 50 bucks. This was everything to her. And she had an encounter with Jesus, and she broke, and she poured. This would be like a deep sea fisherman burning all of his, his boats and his gear or a mechanic rolling. You know, I, I know what mechanic, to my brother's a mechanic and his tools are worth thousands. And it'd be like him rolling it off a bridge and just sacrificing that or a musician trashing all the gear that he or she has spent years accumulating. accumulating. This act captured her heart. Her heart was, I will break the most valuable thing I have and I will pour it out in one of the most selfless, extravagant acts of worship. Broken and poured. So that's the first story. The second story is, is right after. It's so cool how these are back to back in Mark. And in this story, Jesus is sitting around with his best buddies. He's sitting around with, with his crew, his guys, and they're having the last meal. And so he gathered together his few friends. And this is in context of, of the story it's a few hours before Jesus knew that he was going to the cross. This is his last time with his bros before he was going to do the unimaginable, something that he knew. And so this is how Mark tells the story. Same chapter, but verse 22. He says this, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out 
as a sacrifice for many. It's broken and it's poured out. Broken and poured out. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. This jar of perfume is broken for you and it's poured out for you to give you all I am as an act of worship. See, it's cool. Luke reports in the Gospel of Luke, the book of Luke, he reports the same story. See, Luke was at the same table with the other disciples, but there was an aspect of Luke's story that, that he kind of went a little bit more into it in his writing, and it says this in Luke twenty two nineteen. It says, And Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So, so what is this? <laughs> Because Luke added that, that detail in, you know, that Mark didn't write about. What is this? Jesus is saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, we believe at, at Valley Brook and, and scholars believe that the this means taking communion. It means coming together. You know, we do it the first Sunday of every month. We come together in the elements and we have the bread and we have the juice or the wine. And, and we, we celebrate that to remember Jesus' sacrifice, that he, his body was broken, his blood was poured out. All scholars agree on that. But some scholars think it might, it could maybe mean a little bit more. And I would agree with that. Perhaps, just perhaps it means as Jesus lived and was poured out and broken, maybe he's calling us to do the same. Maybe the do this in the scripture in Luke is to live as Jesus lived and to love as Jesus loved. To be broken and poured out as we seek to love God and love one another. Listen church, maybe it means to be broken and poured out as we seek to love God and love one another. Do this, live a life of brokenness for God's purpose. Do this, live a life of brokenness for love and pour out all of who we are in worship no matter the cost. Do this, be broken and fully dependent on God. Do this, broken and poured. You see, you see the similarity here? Broken and poured. God will break you. It's not a threat. I don't want you to take that the wrong way. Out of context, that's a weird thing to say. But God will break you. Man, as I dove into ministry um, I wish I had a little bit better of a warning. I mean, a lot of the, the initial guys in ministry, you know, that I worked with, they're like, this is the best job ever, and it's amazing. But I really didn't know what to expect, and, and a lot of the brokenness and the craziness that ensued. I never would have imagined how God was prepared to break me. So I, I worked here at Valley Brook and, and just learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes. You know, my senior year of high school, thought I knew everything when I really knew nothing. You know, God broke me. I, I, I was passionate about ministry. I, I went to, to school for a bit. Then I moved to Nashville and jumped into full-time ministry in Nashville, still doing student ministries. And I remember in like a one-month season in Nashville, and you'll remember this, my wife is sitting here, Lisa, and, you know, I had a, a major car accident. You know, I, I hydroplaned, you know, it was a rainy night, hydroplane went across an intersection, was T-boned by a pickup truck going 65 miles an hour, and I woke up upside down in a ditch on the side of the road. A major accident. You know, the house that I was living in, the house, we didn't realize this at the time, but the house was foreclosed upon, and the, the guy that owned the house wasn't telling this to me, and so I'm paying him rent, and he doesn't own it, and I got a call from the bank saying, hey, you need to get all your stuff out by like midnight tonight because we're coming to change the locks. 
So I'm paying this guy who I'm thinking I'm renting. So I lose my house. I lost my vehicle. You know, there was a, a major drama that happened in our church that left a lot of major hurt in my life and my wife's life and a lot of my friends' lives. You know, I, 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 so something silly, but I got injured, and so I wore this ugly monster big boot. So I'm moving my house overnight, wearing a boot, you know, no vehicle, all these things. It seems like everything's falling apart. I remember I had a moment in the hospital, you know, after the car accident, and, um, and everybody had, had left the room, and I just broke down. I'm like, God, I, I don't get it. I, I've given everything for you. I've left my life, I've, I've left school, I've, I've gone against like everything that a Simsbury kid's supposed to do. I've moved here, I'm radically following you. What is going on? See, even though God didn't cause all these things to happen, I don't know if that's the theology that I would hold. I don't think God caused all these things to happen, but he was using them to slowly break me. Don't miss this church. He was using these things to slowly make me be fully dependent on him. See, even when I moved here, so we spent a while in Tennessee, God called us here to Connecticut and to be the student director here at Valley Brook, and we were excited, and so Lisa and I were engaged at this point, so we moved back up to Connecticut. I, my poor wife is Midwestern, and I made her come to New England. It took her about five years to forgive me, but we moved back up to Connecticut to take the job here, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It was like the first, like, you know, kind of bigger church, exciting experience that I had. I was ready to grow. You know, in, in, in the first year, there's a lot of new relationships. I remember the, the first, uh, I think it was right when we were about to move in. You know, Lisa, we were engaged. Lisa was going to move into our, our condo. I was staying with my parents. And the day that we went to move her in was when the October storm happened. Like literally when all hell literally broke loose on Connecticut. You drove around. It was like the apocalypse. Like every tree was down everywhere. We lost power for like six years. It was crazy. Yeah, you know. So that was going on, you know, so we're all, we're staying with like 12 families. Now everybody has generators. Like everybody got the memo. At that point they didn't. We're like huddled up in one house, you know, with like 12 families. The one family that had a generator, like eating cans of soup. Actually, it wasn't that bad, but it sounds cool. There were new responsibilities. Honestly, for me stepping into this role here as a kid who grew up here, coming back and working on staff, there were new insecurities. I felt like I had to prove myself. So I led, in a lot of ways, really, really strong and probably a little too strong. There were new hurts. There were new failures that I'd never experienced. And honestly, I haven't told people this, many people this. Lisa would know. But in the first probably year, two years of Valleybrook, I was really struggling to look at this church as my family. It was my job. It was my call. I was being obedient. I was here. But I struggled to look at this church as my family. And that's what church is, right? We, we say that all the time. We're a family. We're all those things. And I was saying it, but I was really struggling. I, I lacked solid friendships. I, I was just confused and, and trying to overcompensate in my role. And I really felt lonely. You know, there's a, a story that I tell, I've told a couple times, and I'm not going to get into the story, but um, about two years being here, you know, we're at youth group, and, you know, we were pregnant with our, our first child, and, and Lisa, you know, had a, a horrible and brutal miscarriage. You know, we had announced to the world that she was pregnant, and, you know, a couple weeks later, we're at youth group, and there's just, like, this emergency situation. I, I almost lost her, and, like, everything fell apart, and, I, and I'm not going to go into that story. I, I've told that story multiple times in students and here on Sunday morning, but there's a part of the story that I haven't told yet. 
And it's kind of the after effect, you know, it's when I knew Lisa would, would be okay and I'm just, I'm, I'm mourning the loss of our first child and I'm just, I'm worn and I'm broken. I, I think in probably a way that I've ever, more deeply than I've ever been before. And I remember I had to, to go use the restroom and so, you know, at this point it was just Lisa and I and my, my mom and my dad were there with us, you know, kind of back in the emergency section of the emergency room. But in the emergency room, the, the closest bathroom was outside of those like secure doors, you know, right on the right in Hartford. And so I walked out and I saw in the lobby, I saw Clark and Cynthia and I think Joanne and Ken were there and all these people from church. And I'm like, nope. And so like, because I just, I was broken. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want people to look at me and say, hey, you know, God has this. Hey, he has a plan. I didn't want that. I didn't want to lean into that. I wanted to hide. Because it didn't feel like family to me. You know, I hugged my mom, I hugged my dad, but I didn't want to deal with that. And so I went into the bathroom, excuse me, I went to the bathroom and I hid. I literally hid in a stall. And I'm like, maybe if I just stay here long enough, they'll go away. You think I'm really sick or go away. And I remember I had a friend, a close friend at the time, and he had seen me kind of do this V-line, and he, he comes into the bathroom, and I knew it was him because I, I saw his shoes. I'm sitting in the stall, and you know how some people do that. You like see the shoes. And I'm like, so I like pull my legs up on the toilet. I'm like, I'm just going to hide. If I, I'm going to beat him. Like, I'm going to outlast him. And it was probably like 20 minutes. And I walk out, and he's still standing there. He's like, bro, I love you. And he gave me a big hug. And he said, you have to come out here. And so I walked out into the lobby. And I hugged my family. I remember Cynthia, I remember Cynthia laid her hands and she started praying and people joined around me. And church, let me tell you, leaning into that and allowing myself, honestly, allowing myself to be broken, to be seen. That was the first time I felt true family here at Valleybrook. It was an amazing moment that God used. I was so broken. Genuinely looking back, probably more so than I've ever been in my entire life. But God was using it to do a special work in my heart. See, Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, uh, and he's kind of the, the church life church is the church that came up with this series. And he says this powerful thing that I heard this week as I was studying for this message. He says, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people in our weakness. Don't miss it. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people in our weakness. Let me say it a different way. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect most deeply with others through our brokenness. You know, I think it's this funny tension where somebody, when so, sometimes when somebody is so good at things, we like hate them. <laughs> you all know that situation. Oh, like she's so perfect. There's nothing wrong. Her hair is always perfect. She always is on time. Her kids are perfect. All these things. I hate her. And then, like, we realize, like, something's falling apart in her life. We're like, oh, she's real. Oh, I like her. Like, there's, there's those things that happen a lot of times where we connect most deeply with others through our brokenness. You know, Dr. Henry Cloud, who's like a, a hero of the faith for me, he's such a wise writer and pastor and leader. He's a leadership and spiritual health guru. If you haven't heard of him, look him up. He's, he's you know, helped my life in so many ways. He has a theory. You know, he's convinced that God made the tear ducts in the eyes for a reason. In one of his tweets, he wrote, and I'll put it up on the screen, he wrote, there's a reason your tear ducts are in your eyes. When you cry, someone should see your pain. Look into your eyes and you into there. See, tear ducts could have been anywhere, but God chose 
to put them in our eyes. And again, this isn't like a, a factual thing. This is just more of a theory. But I think, honestly, churches, it's quite a beautiful theory. And in my life, it's rang very true. He believes that they're in the eyes so that you can see someone while you're hurting and you can feel seen by someone. So you can feel their love. God, maybe, God maybe allows us to cry because someone else should be connecting with us eye to eye when we're breaking because he knows that that is what we need. The problem with me, as you've seen today, is if somebody else cries, I cry. I'm what you call a sympathy crier. My dad, I inherited this from him, where I see somebody crying and I am just done. So like I like, and this is a, a kind of a, you know, every time it's been a problem for me, especially in ministry settings where a lot of times I'm up here leading worship and it'll be this moment and I'll see somebody crying and then I'll start going, but I don't just cry as you've seen, I ugly cry. Like I cry, there's snot, there's everything. So I'm like, try to leave worship and I can't, and then I can't sing. And it's become like quite the issue to me where I feel like I have to like be dead inside in order to leave worship effectively because otherwise I'm just gonna cry all the time. But in the beginning of my life and my ministry and walking with Jesus, uh, church, I, I wouldn't have wanted to pray this prayer either. The prayer break me. Honestly, there's days in my life and in my walk, you know, I, I'm learning every single day, but God has really pushed me along in this area of my life and made me more willing to pray this prayer. But church, there are so many days where I just am like, God, I don't want to be broken anymore. God, don't break me. Just give me a break, <laughs> right? But here's the beauty in this prayer. Life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. Life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. Those who God has used the greatest, even if you look at scripture, you look at all these examples of heroes of the faith, these were men and women who were broken and God broke them but then used them to do amazing things. They were messy, they were sinful, they were broken people that God used to, to do amazing, unbelievable things that we see today and consider them heroes. Because God never wastes a hurt. I firmly believe that. God never wastes a hurt. So the hard part is, is that when we get into this moment of brokenness, many of us do what I do. We V-line for the bathroom. We're like, I don't want to connect with people. I'm going to isolate myself. I don't want to deal with it. I'm hurting. I'm broken. Nobody will understand. So, so I'm going to deal with it my own way. And many of you in this morning, you're in a season of deep brokenness. I get it. Some of you I've prayed with, I've cried with which again isn't very hard, but you know, it, it's, it, some of you are just here this morning and you're like, Dan, you don't get it. Like, I, I hear that you're broken, but I'm just so broken. And you're like, what do I do? You know, some of us in that brokenness, we, we isolate ourselves. Some of us turn to addiction. Some of us might turn to drugs or work or watching incessant television, you know, to drown out the world. Or some of us, it's like, I'm gonna keep busy to ignore all the brokenness in my life, or I'm gonna work 70 hours a week or overeat or overdrink or indulge in pornography or all these things. But the reality is, is that if we can lean in to our brokenness, then God will use it in amazing ways but it's completely counterintuitive to what we feel sometimes. So what do we do? Number one is this, lean into your brokenness. You know, in the story of Job, and I'm not gonna get into the story, but in the story of Job, you see this man named Job, who the Bible said was, was the greatest man in all the land. He was like the Steve Jobs or the Bill Gates. He had everything. 
He was wealthy. He had a big family. He was successful. He loved the Lord. The Lord loved him. He had everything. But in a moment, all in a moment, he lost his entire well-being, all of his money. He was in poverty. He lost his 10 children, 10 children in a natural disaster. He buried 10 kids. It was a crazy season for him. But he didn't blame God. Instead, he leaned in. He worshiped. And then it says, you know, kind of to add insult to injury or injury to insult. In this situation, when he tried to get to his feet after worship, his body was covered with boils and he became sick and he had to move outside of the city. And his wife, Mrs. Job, had finally had enough. And in Job 2.9, she says, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. See, Job leaned in to his brokenness. It doesn't just say that he just like ran around all happy and just ignored it. He leaned in, he screamed out in pain, he cursed his birth, he shouted, he prayed wild prayers, but he never cursed God. Peter Scazzaro, it's this amazing book, Emotionally Spiritually Healthy, I would highly recommend it for you. He writes this, he says, turning towards our pain is counterintuitive. But in fact, the heart of Christianity is that the way of life is through death. The pathway of resurrection is through crucifixion. Then he says this about Job's story. It says this in, in his book. It says, in the church, we have little theology for anger, sadness, waiting, and depression. How are you, we ask, after a loss or disappointment in our lives? Couldn't be better, we exclaim confidently without thinking. God's working all things for good. I just can't see it all yet. Job, on the other hand, screamed out in pain, holding nothing back. We see 30 plus chapters in the book of Job of him screaming out to God, but leaning in to his brokenness. The second is this, lean into God, pray for clarity. In James 1, we see that we're going to face trials. God says you will face things, but a little further down it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, pray and it will be given to you. And in that situation in James, that wisdom is specifically pertaining to the trial, James is saying, hey, you're going to face stuff, and if you don't know why, lean into God. Ask him. Ask him, God, why are you doing this? God, what are you using this for? That's a prayer that's constant in my life. God, I don't get it. Like, help me to understand because I'm upset. I'm hurt. God, help me to understand. Lean into God. And lastly, lean into community. In Galatians 6, Paul challenges the church to carry each other's burdens. All throughout the New Testament church, we see people walking side by side, picking each other up, living life together. Lean into your brokenness no matter how rejected, hurt, or painful you feel. Because God never wastes a hurt. And I will say, church, I really feel this within the deepness of my heart. I feel that the greatest ministry that God's done through me has been directly related to the brokenness has directly come out of the broken seasons of my life. I'm going to invite the, the band back up as we close. See, our call to Jesus, our call from Jesus is to follow him. It's at the core of our faith. It's essentially choosing to lean into brokenness. You know, the ultimate form, you know, Jesus, he says the ultimate form of being a disciple is to die to ourselves, to pour ourselves completely out, to become fully devoted Fully, of sur fully surrendered. You know, what are your broken prayers? Maybe it's break me of pride or break me of love of this world or break me of myself. You see, praying the prayer, break me, church, I really feel is a gospel at its purest form. 
we come to Jesus. Break me of me. Break me of me, Lord, so I can serve Jesus with all of my life. I surrender all that I am to you. Take this life, this, this bread, take my life. Let me be broken for you. See, the gospel is an invitation to come and, and to give your life, to come and to die. And it's very counterintuitive, but it makes complete sense when we step back and look at when we die to ourselves, God then can truly use us. But the reality is this, church, uh, many of us are, are partially devoted followers of Jesus. Many of us, and, and, and myself included in seasons, are very much partially devoted followers of Jesus. We follow Jesus when it's convenient. You know, it, we're, we're, we surrender when it's easy, when it doesn't cost too much, when it doesn't mean we have to sacrifice everything, but maybe the sacrifice falls into the plan that we have, or it seems reasonable. See, we're holding back. And if that's you this morning, I would challenge you specifically to pray this prayer. Be careful, because God will do it. But pray this prayer. Break me, Lord, so I can be fully dependent on you. See, when the sinful woman broke the jar, she didn't hold back a single drop. She poured it all out. No matter how costly it was, don't miss it, she poured it all out. When Jesus' body was broken, church, he didn't just go and get beaten, but he hung upon the cross, took the sin of the world on his shoulders, and died there for us. He poured it all out for you and I. Praying, break me, I believe, is one of the purest forms of surrender. So, Father, this morning, I pray as we, as we move into this response time, Lord, that you would do something life-changing today in this moment. Father, this would be an anchor moment for many of us in this room, that we would look back at this time, that we would look back at this moment, at this prayer, and it would be something that changes our lives forever. That in 10 years we would be saying, hey, that was a Sunday. I prayed that prayer and God did something amazing, hard and difficult, but amazing in my life. So church, look at me this morning. Today I'm going to give you a little breathing room. <laughs> because many of you, if I just say, hey, like there's some of you that are, you're like, I'm in. You're like the radical ones. You're all for it. You're like the one that like would move to, to Costa Rica tomorrow and just like go and go for it. And you don't, you just, you're all out. You're sold out for Jesus. And that's amazing. But the majority of us in, this, in the room this morning, you're like, I'm not praying that. There's no way. I'm not praying that prayer. I'm going to give you a little slap because what I don't want to happen is I don't want 90% of you to walk out of this room and be like, all right, cool, that was, that was for those radical people, but you know, next week maybe there'll be something relevant for me. So here's an introductory prayer into Break Me. Here's the intro into this greater prayer of God, Break Me on my knees prayer. It's this. Starting last week, we began to pray this prayer, search me, oh God, right? We, we prayed, God, search me. And one of the prayers we prayed last week, if you're following along, it says, God, search me and reveal to me, reveal in me what offends you. Search me and reveal to me what is in me that offends you. And that was a prayer that we said, God, just show me where, where I'm, I'm falling short. God, show me the areas of my life that I haven't fully surrendered. And so what I want to do is this. Everybody has a, a card. I think it's behind, in the seat back pocket, it's behind your, um, your welcome card. It's a, uh, a note, um, a post-it note. 
And while the worship team sings this song this morning, I don't want you to stand, I don't want you to sing. What I want you to do is this. I want you to be bold. And, and I don't want you to do this if you don't mean it. You can pretend so you don't feel left out. But if you mean it, I want you to look and say, God, what is one of those things that you revealed to me? Maybe it was pride. You know, for me, honestly, one of the things is I, I struggle with patience. My wife can probably tell you better than anyone. I struggle with patience. And God rocked me with that this week. And so that's, I said, God, break me of my inability to become patient. Maybe it's self-sufficiency. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's impatience. Maybe it's, you know, an addiction. Maybe it's something, you know, maybe in your mind that's bigger. But when God breaks you of these things, church, listen. The other side, you will see blessings in the ways that you can't ever imagine. See, life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying, hey, when you pray, break my pride, God's going to get you a check for $10 million. God's blessings sometimes look a little different than ours, but God will give you perspective in that breaking. Think about it like this. If that is true, if God's greatest blessings come from true breaking, then if we haven't been broken of these things, if there's things in our lives that we haven't fully surrendered, then there are many blessings from the Lord that we're missing. And I'll tell you what, church, I don't want to miss those blessings. So take that today. And this time, they're going to sing a song. It's a new song called New Wine. And it's amazing. The concept of, of wine is that wine is made through grapes being pressed and crushed. And, and all this, this, this form happens and all these things happen. And out of that juice comes and there's this process. And then wine is formed. And as they're singing this, this song that kind of works on that metaphor, I want you to pray. And if you haven't prayed that prayer, God, search my heart. Where in my life do you need to break me? Pray it now and be bold and listen. And what I want you to do as they're singing this song, I want you to write it and then I want you to put it on the wall. I want you to write it and I want you to put it on the wall because something beautiful that happens every night is there's a group of people that walk around and lay hands on every single one of these prayers. Now for some of you, if your breaking is lust, that might seem hard for you. Be daring, lean into community, put that on the wall, pray break me because let me tell you, the moment we surrender, we put those things on the wall, God will free you and use you in ways that you can never imagine. But are you willing to be broken and poured out? So in this time, just take a second, pray that prayer. If there's something in your life, maybe, you're just, maybe your prayer just needs to be this. Just break me, God. You know what it is, just break me, God. But if you're not willing to pray that prayer, that's okay. Like, that's totally okay. We're glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm hoping that this was a seed planted in your life. That is okay. But if you are willing, then when they start singing after you write it, get up and put it on the wall. Be bold and move. Father, I pray in this moment that you would work in our hearts. That you would reveal those areas. Father, that we would pray and truly pray the prayer break me. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.